Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Not sure what the weather is where you are, but we've had some glorious days in Kansas City this week. Baseball weather. So we talk Royals today. After a bit of delay as the owners and players worked out their differences, baseball is back. Better late than never, I say. And the Royals have been busy, especially in the pitching department. This week, they've reacquired old friend Zach Grinke and made a trade with the Cincinnati Reds for relief pitcher Amir Garrett. We talk about those moves with columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. Beat writer Lynn Worthy was busy tracking down stories at Surprise Arizona, and he'll be with us again soon. So let's get started talking Royals. This show started as a Sports Beat Live. Hey, hello. Welcome to another season of Royals Sports Beat Live. This is our weekly conversation about all things Kansas City Royals with the writers who cover the team and with you. Please send us your questions and comments. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell are with us. Beat writer Lynn Worthy will often uh, be with us, but he can't today. He is, as we speak, um, trying to um, listen to Zach Grinke. He's on, um, uh, he's in surprise and Zach Grinke is meeting with the media here and, uh, Lynn is in the middle of that. So good morning, guys. How are we doing? Doing great, Blair. Great to see you in this context. And, uh, Sam, you're okay. Good to see you too. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think we've all seen enough of Sam lately. <laughs> I'm digging your background, Blair. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, how about that? The, uh, the the pictures are hung. They've been sitting in in a bedroom closet for about six months, and we finally um, got them up last night. Those are the two uh, covers for the commemorative editions uh, after the parades that uh, the Royals, of course, in 2015, and the Chiefs in um, in 2020 after winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Um, uh, I would like to I'd like to think that and say that you know I did it all myself. The fact is, my wife Karen did most of it, and I uh, you know I helped measure is what I that was my contribution to the picture hanging. <laughs> <laughs> hey, measuring's a talent too, Blair. <laughs> let's let's go with that. Uh, let's let's uh, uh, let's let's believe that. Okay. Uh, all right, you guys. Uh, we're going to talk Royals, and my gosh. Um, you know, there was going to be plenty to talk about anyway with the, the season returning, right? And we'll get to that in a moment, the delay of, uh, of, of the baseball season. But yesterday, a uh, couple of moves to bolster the pitching staff. Uh, the big one, of course, is the, the signing of Zach Greinke, old friend Zach Greinke. And, of course, there's the trade that brought Amir Garrett to the Royals and sent Mike Miner to the Cincinnati Reds. But we got to start with Zach Greinke and Sam McDowell. You 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 penned a column uh, about this move, and I like the I like your approach that it, it, about what it says for the Royals' plans here. Let's let's get into that a little bit. What what did the Royals accomplish with the signing of Zach Greinke? Well, I mean, I, I think they got a guy that's going to fit in, you know, like I mentioned, closer to the top of the rotation than than the bottom. I mean. <clears throat> I, I think you can look at this a few ways. First of all, it's a, it's a great story um, considering that he, he started his career here, of course, and um, demanded out 
because the Royals were rebuilding. He didn't want to be part of that. Um, and I believe uh, he told that just to Bob Dutton, former uh, Kansas City Star uh, Royals beat writer. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's compelling considering, obviously, he went through the social anxiety disorder here as well. Um, or diagnosed when he was here, and now that part's come full circle. So I think that's one way you can look at it, and that, that's a great way to look at it. Um, but from the Royals' perspective, you know, like I mentioned in the story, you don't pay $13 million just for the sentimentality of that story. It's It, it, it leads me to believe that they think they're ready to win now, and that doesn't mean that they're, they believe that they're a complete package that, that's going to go out and win the World Series in 2022. But it does mean that they think they can compete this year. Um, and so I, I think Grinky offers them a, a good piece. I mean, I, I think we all thought because of the way he pitches, he would pitch as late into his career as he wanted to play, basically. You know, he's not a guy that relied on velocity even when he had velocity. Um, but also, you know, it's for when you've got a young staff, you need a guy that's been there, done that. And, and Zach Grinky's that guy. Could he be the James Shield of this staff, Fahe? Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And and I think yeah, – I, I agree totally with what Sam said. And I think part of that is that it, it, it resets the rotation. It makes a little bit of a statement, I think, to the team as well as to fans. Um, it, it's Again, it's not a – you know, some crazy signing, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big investment, but it's not, you know – three years, uh, $80 million to somebody, but it's, it's about kind of the runway to this next dimension of the Royals or this next uh, resurgence of the Royals as we see it trending and, and would like to believe it will, will go. And I think, I think it's just a really nice, solid piece. I keep thinking it reorders the rotation. What will be interesting to me to see, of course, will be, um, how much of his impact on the room around him is simply by example or how interactive he is. One thing I'm a little unclear on is whether um, to what degree he really is uh, a guy that's uh, talking to people in the room. I, I don't fully have a grasp of, of how his temperament works in the clubhouse. And you guys, have, Blair, you might have a recollection of that or Sam, you might uh, have a better sense of it from yesterday, but I, I don't know that component of it yet. I do think, though, that we take we correctly take Dayton more at his word when he's thinking about how somebody will fit um, in there and wanting them to be a great teammate. And we can talk about how that's going to be with Amir Garrett, too. But um, I, I, I don't think this move would have been made if they didn't feel like that had a broader reach. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that while – they might fit in the rotation similarly when you talk about James Shields and, and Zach Greinke, they've got a, a lot different in personality. Um, you know, I mean, I think Buddy Bellwin it was when, when Zach Greinke was here and, and a rookie and a young player said um, he, he's not capable of lying even when he should, um, that he's sort of brutally honest with, with teammates about stuff. You know, I, I think it was Mark Tehan that, that said in a, um, and a Rustin Dodd and Jason Jenks story um, that he'd made a couple errors and didn't have a hit one day. And Grinky just came up to him and said, you had a really bad game today. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's a bunch of stories like that with Zach Grinky. In, in fact, I'd encourage people to go read that piece I referenced, but 
Um, he's got a, a lot different personality. And I don't think that means he's not going to interact with his teammates. He's not going to help his teammates. But it's not going to be this motivational rah-rah guy that, um, you know, I, I remember when, when James Shields came here, Danny Duffy said, he, you know, he was like, are you ready to be an ace now? Or are you ready to be the guy? And that's not Zach Greinke's personality. Um, he's 38. I mean, he, he's been in major league clubhouses for almost two decades now. So I, I'm sure he's a different guy than, than when he left the Royals. Um, but I just don't think that guy is, is, is what, you know, that raw, raw leader sort of guy. I think that's a good distinction, Sam, the way you make it. And, but I also feel like this is our Seinfeld moment here where it makes me think of Kramer telling George Costanza's girlfriend, she, she's pretty, she just needs a nose job. Um, I think he's that kind of blunt, right? He's just just got to spit it out. You know, my favorite Zach Rinky story was the one that involved Alex Gordon. Um, you know, Gordon early in his career was scuffling at the plate and Grinky offered to take him into the film room and, you know, show him some things. And Alex was pretty excited about that. You know, he's going to, you know, Grinky's going to show him, you know, just what, what to look for, what, what, what pitchers might be thinking. And what Grinky showed him was a clip of Grinky hitting a home run and telling Alex Gordon, this is how you do it. Grinky <laughs> said it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> exactly. So, as, as Sam alluded, a uh, one-year deal for $13 million with incentives. Um, last year, uh, with the Astros, Grinky was 11-6 and six with a 4.16 ERA. He is a six-time Gold Glove winner. He is a great fielder at his position. He's 38 years old. Um, uh, so, it's funny. He, he left Kansas City and, uh, as again, as Sam said, famously was you know, just, just disappointed with the direction of the organization. And at the time that he left, the organization was at the you know in the uh, the very early stages of becoming what it was going to become. And the trade of Zach Greinke to the Milwaukee Brewers uh, was basically the one of the key moments of the rebuild or the building process of the Royals that brought Lorenzo Cain and Alcides Escobar and pitcher Jake Odorizzi to Kansas City. And then the, 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 the Royals turned around and flipped Odorizzi to Tampa Bay and brought James Shield and Wade Davis. So, you know, just you know, the, the Grinky trade was one of the great ones for the Royals in, in its history. And, uh, and and they were in a World Series in, you know, three years later. So Grinky pitched for the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Astros, pitched in two World Series, has not won a World Series yet, but is made plenty of postseason appearances. Um, how about a – he's not the opening day starter, is he? Yeah, I, I wonder that. Um, you know, I listened back to Dayton Moore's press conference yesterday with reporters in Surprise, Arizona, and he wasn't asked that specifically. But that that was one of the questions I had whenever they traded for Zach Greinke. Could, could he be the opening day guy? Um, do they stick with Brad Keller? I, you know, I, I think that's probably the direction we thought they were going before they made this trade. Um, but, I, you know, w- when you look at his last three years, which, you know, just, just for the age sake of him being 38 and people probably wondering what does Zach Rinke have left, you know, last year he started 29 games and he was only credited with six losses. Um, the teams that he's pitched for are 42 and 32 in his last three years. I mean, the Royals will take that. I mean, you can pay $13 million for a guy that wins four out of every seven times out. 
it's a pretty good percentage in baseball. So, um, like, like I mentioned, I, I think when you looked at his stuff, you know, he, he pitches more than he throws and he's, he's always been that way. And he, he's a guy that tries to figure out what hitters are doing, tries to figure out the way their bats go through the zone. Um, so I, I think that, you know, his mind works when he pitches really well. And that's something that's just going to, like I said, lend itself to him being able to, to perform well, even if he's throwing 88 instead of 98. You know, I, I, I like your point, Sam, and, and I think it remains to be seen whether he'll be uh, the opening day starter. But I, I kind of wonder if it works a few different ways here that, um, you know, Brad Keller would, would seem to be the other best candidate. But I, I wonder if uh, by putting Zach Greinke in that position, which in a way is cosmetic, in a way is psychological, um, you, you, you take a little bit um, – a little bit off of Brad Keller's plate and, and not relegate him. It's not like that, but maybe he, maybe he could be more effective in a role where he's not thinking of himself as having to be the guy or, you know, the, the, the workhorse guy. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating on that. I think it's a question they'll be asking themselves though. Um, the other thing you made me think of Blair, I hadn't thought about it this way, but Sam McDowell and I were talking a little bit about this yesterday and we were talking about that trade I, but we didn't talk about this part. Um, at the time, I'm sure Royals fans and the Royals themselves were frustrated about needing to trade him. Um, but the flip side of that is that would the Royals have won the World Series without that trade? I, I'm not sure they would have. I'm not sure they wouldn't have. But no, those two guys were pretty pivotal in it, as was the acquisition of James Shields, you know, priming the pump. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, I, I think we can say – pretty certainly that they would not have won the world series and unless they made that trade with Zach Greinke. Um, but good trade for the players still. I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not like Zach Greinke would have been on that team because of the guys they acquired. And I, you know, I don't think the Royals, um, I, I don't think Zach Greinke, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that he, he missed out on winning the world series by demanding a trade because it doesn't happen. I think with him leaving. And by the way, you know, they, he pitched in post seasons, like Blair mentioned. I mean, when his career moved on, he pitched in post seasons immediately. For the Milwaukee Brewers, and then, you know, he, he's he was in the World Series last year with the Astros. So I mean, his his career has certainly not been absent of, of pitching in big games. Yeah, postseason uh, for every team he played for, except for the Royals. So he has absolutely been um, with the Angels. winning with the Angels too. Oh, um, uh, Brewers uh, with Brewers, Dodgers, D-backs, and um, and the Astros. I don't know. I didn't even remember the the Diamondbacks made it that year. He pitched for him, or the one yeah. pitched for him. Um, so he has uh, two thousand eight hundred nine career strikeouts. You know, he he, you know, would would take a pretty massive effort on his part to get to three thousand in this season. I you know can't say impossible, but if you know if if he this is a one year deal, I can see him coming back in 2023 and maybe becoming a 3000 strikeout guy. You know, he spent more years uh, of all the teams that he's played for. He has spent more years with the Royals than anybody else has more victories, more innings pitched um, with, with, with the Royals than any other team that he's played for. So, and that's just, he's just going to add to those totals uh, this year in 20, 2009. He had one of the great, maybe the greatest, Season by a royal starting pitcher when he when he won the Cy Young award for a team that uh, that's typical of the Royals at the time just you know floundered and 
you know, the, the only the only guy you really could depend on was Zach Greinke that year. And I can remember going to the stadium, covering games, and fans would have the Zach. You know, Zach is spelled with a K, and then with a dash, and then K's for all the strikeouts that he had in that game. So Zach K K K K K K or whatever it was. So um, it'll be interesting to have him here. Fun to have him here. But again, like I said earlier, not the only pitching acquisition that the Royals had this week. Uh, the, the, the trade that, uh, that that brought Amir Garrett here from the Cincinnati Reds sent Mike Miner to, uh, to Cincinnati, and the Royals are traded a starter for a reliever here, bolstered their bullpen with the 6'5", uh, Amir Garrett, who had four – he's had five major league seasons. In the first four, he improved every year, and then he gets to last year in the – the numbers uh, weren't there for him, so he regressed a little bit in his fifth season. But um, what do we think about this trade? Uh, you know, I, the, the 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 finances are such that trading minor is uh, basically allowed the Royals to get the Zach Greinke thing done, and and they pick up a reliever and and send away a starter. Is it um, is this a net profit for the Royals? I. I feel like it is Blair. And, and it's funny that, you know, we can take this all in kind of one, uh, one serving here with these two guys together, right? You can make a little case. It's a, a, a bit of fire and ice from their, their personalities and, and what that will bring. And, and maybe we don't want to overthink the, the clubhouse impact, but, but certainly um, Amir has, has shown himself to be a passionate player. And uh, as you noted, um, having, having that arc, of his career kind of, kind of all of a sudden, you know, level off or in fact, um, you know, appear to uh, recede. That, that's not a long-term, uh, long-term matter. It's a, can we fix this kind of thing? And can, can we just reset? And I, I do think sometimes um, just a change of scenery can, can help make that happen. I mean, that that's not really a very deep analysis, but, I, I think that's the thought. The Royals have had some success with uh, resurrecting some some pitchers' careers or resetting it, uh, to, to put it another way. And I think you have to feel better about what this Royals, this particular Royals team looks like um, based on yesterday's yesterday's work. I mean, their their starting rotation and their bullpen got better yesterday with with the combined two moves. And I always think that, you know when you add a a guy that could potentially slot in in a late inning, you improve every in every inning before it too. And, you know, so now you know if, if you you view Amir Garrett as a guy that could could throw the eighth, you're better off in the seventh and the sixth than you were before too. When you add a pitcher that you think might be your number one or your two, suddenly your three, four, and five look a lot better than they did yesterday too. So. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a confusing move from the Reds' perspective, but from the Royals' perspective, I, I think you know you have to look at it in tandem with with a got to Zach Greinke as well. I think that's a good point, Sam. Because if uh, if uh, Garrett becomes I don't know an eighth or a seventh inning pitcher, that you know that that you got Josh Dalmont moving, you know maybe moving down, Jake Brent, you know you, it does affect the the rest of the bullpen that way. That, I think that's a good point. One thing I love about him, um, he was a terrific prospect in basketball. Um, was, <laughs> a, was a four-star recruit in, in hoops and ended up committing to St. John's out of high school. Uh, didn't work out for him there, so he transferred to Cal State Northridge, was going to play. And basically by then, he uh, 
throwing the ball so hard, he decided to pursue the the uh, the, the, the baseball path. But uh, I'm kind of looking forward to call, uh, talking a little college hoops with him when uh, when we get into the clubhouse, which we will this year get into the clubhouse. Um, happy to say. Before we get off this, the topic of pitching, Kerry asks. Um, he noticed on the the hot stove rumor mill yesterday that the Royals were. Uh, inquiring about a trade for Frankie Montas with the, uh, the starting pitcher for the for the Oakland Athletics. Um, you know, Frankie was uh, was had a heck of a season last year, and um, did you know just the just the Grinky signing um, kind of remove that from the uh, the equation, or will the Royals be looking for another starter? Sam, what do you think? Is that um, uh, do the are the Royals set now with the rotation? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the rotation, and I mean, you know, it's it's, it's too bad Len's not here because he's going to be more plugged in on this than than probably the three of us. But um, I look at the rotation and think that they've got three spots now open um, for for their younger guys. You know, when you look at Brady Singer and Bubich and and Jackson Coar, I mean, you you've got you know three spots open for those young guys, and so I personally think that you know if the Royals are going to make a move, it makes more sense to see what you have and then potentially make that sort of move in season. Um, so, you know, if, if, if young guys are pitching, you don't pitching well, if they have good spring trainings in these next few weeks when games get started, um, then you don't really want to block those guys. So um, like I said, it'd be great to have Lynn here because I'm sure he's plugged into exactly what the Royals are thinking, but that's just my perspective on it. I, I I'd only add that I, I think that, We've been feeling like the future is in these these young arms. The, the Royals uh, have felt that way. I think adding Granke, feeling like you solidified the top of the rotation, gives that more room to breathe. And I do think if if they're going to make going to make a run in these next couple of years, um, those younger guys are going to figure to be a big piece of it. And they and they want them to have the chance to be a bigger piece of it. I. I suppose at midseason, if they feel like something's not going right, they'll really look to add rotation arms. And I'm not sure that they won't still try to add depth and and just sort of see what they've got, move pieces around. But I don't. I would think that that's not the priority um, exactly. I, I but kind of just guessing, not not really uh, uh, with the lay of the land as I'll have later today when, once I get the surprise, and then I'll know everything. <laughs> yeah, we should do this again later tonight just to uh, uh, mm-hmm. pass on all the knowledge that you picked up to you. You will have picked up today. Yeah, look, the the, the rotation. Uh, you, you mentioned a few guys, Sam. There's uh, there's also Carlos Hernandez and Daniel Lynch and uh, and Heasley. I mean, there's they're they're gonna. It's it's a it's a short spring training, but it's it's going to be an interesting one at least to see how it shakes out with the with the rotation. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. 
Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, I want to uh, uh, get to just the fact that they're playing baseball again. And to introduce that idea, we've got a clip from spring training, maybe the first day, first or second day the players were there. Monty's got it queued up, and we're going to hear what Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez had to say about being back in Surprise, Arizona. I just kind of kept doing the same thing. You know, it was kind of like, kind of like 2020. I mentioned it a couple times when people have asked, and it's not an ideal situation, but fortunately we had something similar in 2020 where we're just kind of waiting to hear and waiting to hear. So um, I, I, I've always said spring training is too long anyway. Yeah. So this would be a, a good test. I think that's a, a point of emphasis, um, at least from talking to him this morning, of us sort of being the ones to, uh, I guess, set the tone and not rely on coaching staff or whoever come in and do that. Um, and that's not getting guys in a circle and giving a speech every day. That's how we go about our business and, and the way we carry ourselves and our expectations day in, day out. So we got to do a better job of, of doing it amongst ourselves and not relying on uh, Mike to do it. And we can. And we will. Do with the the lockout and everything being delayed a little bit. Yeah, you know, personally, I, I just got to be ready, you know, prepare myself. Something that I could not control, you know, and, and I was ready. You know, you practice every day, you know. Kind of saw a little bit when I hit the first, you know, that we're going to cancel a couple games and all that, but, you know, the good thing, we're going to play 162 games and we're not going to miss anything. So, happy to be back in here, you know, and, and can't wait for a start the season. I was super happy. I was at home with my wife and, you know, and start to pack everything. They tell me on Tuesday and Thursday. I almost fly on Friday. <laughs> you, know, you know, it was too quick. And I wait another day, send my car and prepare my luggage, you know, and take the first plane Saturday. So I'm super excited to be back. I have a new face in here. I told not to skip. And we have some great arms, man. And, you know, and Babe was. Sometimes, the, I think the bigger percent is about pitching. And we got some great, great yarn here. And we're in different pace, you know. I think we're getting close, and I always say that I believe in my team. And, and I think this year we can be better, you know, than last year. And hopefully, you know, make it to the playoff. I think everything in Big League won't be in, in playoff, you know. So we're going to try our best and see what happens after the season over. Salvi couldn't wait to get here. Wanted to get, wanted to fly to Arizona a day early. His wife said, "No, you stay. You got to stay here." So uh, it's good to hear those guys. It's it's good to feel seventy degree weather outside. It just it's just starting to feel like baseball, and it wasn't feeling that way for uh, February and the first part of March. But um, what we ended up with uh, was an agreement between the players and the owners, and 
they still got it settled in time to play a schedule, at least 162 game season. I noticed when the Royals released their new schedule yesterday that they've got a couple of scheduled doubleheaders, or at least day night. I don't know if they're going to be the, the old fashioned doubleheaders that Sam wouldn't know anything about, but Vahe and I remember um, from, uh, from, from our days. But, uh, but they've got a couple of doubleheaders scheduled, both against the White Sox at Kauffman Stadium, by the way, to, to get in the 162. So, Vahe, I know you wrote about, you wrote about this on the day that the, the, the thing was settled. Um, how much uh, are, are fans going to have very short memories about how angry they were uh, in February and early March? I suspect so. Um, first, let me make a little bow to the uh, the old Twinight doubleheader, a term yes. Sam never heard. <laughs> um, but you know what? This is kind of funny, and I don't know if uh, I, I think Sam McDowell. You, we were together uh, when the news broke. We were over at the basketball tournament, and I started writing um, about it, and the way I first got into it was sort of setting up the point that I'm still mad, and then the more I wrote, the more I realized I'm really not that mad. I just am ready for baseball, and I showed Sam McDowell that the the tentative headline I was going to write, like, baseball's back, and we can't help but, you know, not be angry anymore, and Sam looked at me and goes, that's what you want to write, <laughs> but it, it really kind of uh dissolved as as i was as i was typing dogs don't agree um and and that's that to me it may or may not have any application to how fans look at it you know tomorrow's going to be the first spring training game uh a, a family i happen to be in contact with that was in limbo when this was going on is in fact going to be in surprise they're going to be at the game uh, I'm going to see if I can't get with them there and sort of measure how this has played out for them. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's an individual thing. Sam McDowell is probably furious. You know, that's just his nature. Uh, always angry. Um, but we'll see. I'll let him speak for himself. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if I can top uh, the words you had for me. Uh, I, I personally think that uh, – you know, baseball would have been in trouble if they had missed um, games more than a week or so. Um, and I, I think it's more because there's the fans like us that have watched baseball for so long that were upset about the way things were going, and those fans will come back. Um, I think if your reason, it, you know, for for not watching is anger, I don't I don't think that's going to be a reason people stop watching baseball. I worried about the people that were already on the fence and, and let's face it, it's a younger generation of baseball that no longer watches the games at, at the rate that, you know, my generation did. And so I worried that they would just lose interest in the game. And then when the game, by the time the game picked up, they realized they could live without baseball. Um, so I, I don't think that the lockout stretched far enough to where that's as great a concern as I, as I feared it might be. So I do think you you could still see some less interest than you've had, you know, past year and um, past five years. But I think that's more about the stuff that baseball didn't address in the CBA rather than, you know, the, the fact that they endured a lockout. Well, and Whit Merrifield says, hey, great. Uh, spring training's too long anyway for the, you know, for the players from a player's perspective. Um, he's probably right about that. But what a, you know, 
think of the, the tourist millions that pour into the Phoenix area and all of Florida for, for spring training. And everybody just, you know, just loves the idea of, of spring training. I'll say this. Um, I can remember, I can, I, I remember vividly the, the other work stoppages in baseball where season time uh, games were lost in a season. And of course there was nothing more dramatic than the 1994, um, conclusion of the season in August. So no, no uh, postseason baseball that year. And I, I know how, how that hurt people in a pretty deep way. And I also believe that when we talk about baseball as a regional sport and not the national sport that it was, that was the beginning of it. Um, when, when people started, to, you know, couldn't believe that baseball could walk away from its fans like it did in 1994 and cancel the World Series, uh, all the playoffs in the World Series. And uh, there were, you know, I, I know personally know several people that just said they're done, done with baseball, and they haven't come back, and certainly not in the way they were attached to the game before that 94 strike. So, uh, bravo to baseball for for getting it done. I think both sides felt like they had a, uh, had enough of a victory to to feel good about where they you know to to, to be where they are and um, and all it did was push the start of the season a little bit more into april so the royals opener uh, season opener will be on april 7th at kaufman stadium against the cleveland guardians um and it's going to take a while to get used to hearing that the cleveland guardians and the washington commanders in the nfl would take me a little while but uh but there it is um, okay, guys, that's uh, that's the show, and it was great catching up with Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, and big thanks to our producer, Monty Davis. So, listen, we'll be coming at you weekly when the season starts, absolutely every week. We're still working out a schedule for, for those dates, and you'll be hearing, us, hearing from us again before the season. So, until then, thank you for your questions and comments, and uh, we'll talk again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Monty Davis, who pulled double duty, producing this podcast and the Sports Beat Live. Tip of the cap to star columnists, Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, who joined us today. So, 58 pages in today's morning sports edition. I couldn't get through it all this morning preparing for this show. Check out KansasCity.com. Click on the subscription information at the bottom for more details. Hey, we'll be back on Friday with another edition of Sports Beat KC. I bet we talk about the NCAA tournament. Until then, take care.